Close to home. An eclectic mix of Canadian music on CFRU 93.3 FM. Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. with your host, Tom Rydell. I'll even play that different Canadian song that you won't hear anywhere else on the radio. Close to home. Thursday mornings, 7 a.m. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Shadow States, Politics on Film with Jeff Pivier, Puzzle, Eighth Grade, The Bookshop, and Hereditary. And at the E-Bar on the 27th is Melissa and Chris Brentlett's book launch for Building the Cycling City. The Bookshelf is an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street. For more info about The Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, friends of the show return, but will they remain that way? And we talk about a very popular game, enjoyed by many, many, many people. I have not played it. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. Squeak, 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 squeak. We need some WD-40 up in here. We're in the training studio. We're learning. Yeah, it's it's the training That's studio. what this is called, right? It is. Uh, it's training because it trains you how to deal with equipment that squeaks and makes noises, and whenever you touch the board, it goes... That's uh, a feature. Yeah, it's not a bug. <laughs> uh, I am Jack. <laughs> I'm Joel. And... I'm Seth. Seth. Ooh, hey there, bud. Uh, how many times have you been on the show, Seth? I believe this is just my second time. So confirmed friend yes, of the show. confirmed now. friend of the show. Locked in. And my first time with Joel last time I was here, I was filling in for him. Really? I could have swore I was here it was at no, one point. It was no me. No, that's what I mean. It was oh, you and me. Oh, there was no Joel. Oh, yeah, there was sorry. no Joel. I thought He's you meant never like talked he was to me before. Mm-hmm. Well, on the show. Nice to meet you. Oh, hi. And it's kind of w- awkward, too, because Joel's wearing his work shirt that he just got, and I'm wearing my work shirt that I just got. <laughs> oh, did you just get a golf shirt for work? <laughs> it's not a golf shirt, I think, technically, but I don't know. Well, it's got a collar, and it's not a dress shirt, so yeah, I think so. I you can get away with it on the golf course. What is it? Right. Product? Don't don't read it all out, but it's it says product something. <laughs> Got to keep receipt and keep some Jack anonymity. Jack deals in products. <laughs> yeah, that's my. That's all, special. I, that's all I know about you. And Seth just got a sexy black T-shirt on. Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, I think the help desk uh, was kind of jealous because they haven't gotten these. So. Yeah, I just got a Awkward. normal T-shirt, and I, I was quite fond of it until I saw Joel's shirt, and yeah. now I know. Well, Android's Dungeon, by the way, is a show about fashion choices and business apparel. Uh, uh, yeah. But occasionally we also talk about games and music and movies and um, maybe if we've read a book, which I actually, I'm going to endorse a book this hmm. week. Why not, right? I'll do to pretend same. that I'm reading. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I learned my letters. Yeah. Uh, let's start things off. Seth, what have you been playing recently? 
Well, um, I am continuing my, uh, you know, now years-long uh, Pathfinder campaign. We play once a week, and some wild stuff has been happening to my Hold character recently. Hold on, stop, recently. stop, stop. The boardroom? Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's been years? Uh, well, no, no. Uh, it's we, we used to play at the university here, actually. Oh. Um, what, Seth, what is Pathfinder? Pathfinder, Jack, is uh, quite similar to D&D. Essentially, it's an offshoot of D&D. Um, I've not been really in the scene for long enough to tell you all the details, so forgive me if I get some things wrong. But essentially, when D&D went from version, I think, 3.5 to, uh, you know, 4th edition, there were some people who did not like those changes and decided that they would like to, uh, you know, Set play the other way. Path. Yeah. Find their own right. path. Right. Yeah, they needed path. to find their own path. So, um yeah, it branched off uh, as the long and the short of it. I, I couldn't tell you too much about the, the legal, you know, what's it's. But uh, over the years, it's, you know, developed into its own game. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities, but, uh, you know, the rules are uh, different in a few key it's, ways. It's probably the second biggest of the tabletop games, at least as far as exposure goes. Because if you go into a shop, what are the odds? that you got D&D mm-hmm. right here, mm-hmm. and there's Pathfinder, and then you have all the other weird little ones. For sure. I guess Warhammer's definitely up there as well. But oh, would you put them on the same level, though? Cause it's a different type of game. Like, yeah. Whereas Pathfinder is very much, you know... Um, the the Dungeons and Dragons type of We're game where you have RPGs right? exactly yeah where you have like a dungeon master game master and mm-hmm. you have your your party and you know you're fighting monsters and role playing and whatnot something like Warhammer is quite different so yeah, yeah. so how much D and D have you played well I have actually I've so I've played this Pathfinder game and I have dabbled in some other tabletop role-playing games um, for like a session or two here or there. I have not played any D&D proper, so I cannot consider myself an expert. So just before we delve into this Pathfinder campaign you're having, what are your what would you say to somebody who, even though you've only got a surface knowledge of D&D, let's say, but, you, but I think you probably know them more than the average bearer. How would you compare the two? And would you give it an endorsement? Would you say, if you like D&D, try Pathfinder? What is it about D&D that you would say this is what Pathfinder fixes, or what is it Pathfinder does poorer? Yeah, so I mean, from my understanding, one of the big differences is that, you know, in the more recent editions of D&D, there have been certain areas of the rules that have been simplified Mm. um, to bring in a wider audience. Um, And, you know, obviously the game being what it is, you can have a lot of, like, you know, house rules and that kind of thing to customize the game as you will, but some people do not like that reduction in complexity. So you're saying Pathfinder is complicated? Allegedly, I can't. Oh. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I can't speak me. to the difference personally, <laughs> yeah. but that, that's what I hear from uh, reliable okay, sources. Okay, so it, it's more of a, it's more of like D and D for serious people. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to make that claim. I'm not going to put my name for on that, nerds. But, uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm a huge nerd. And, uh, <laughs> Let's yeah. go beat up these pathfinders. <laughs> uh, no, but essentially, yeah, there are some. I think there's some rough edges to Pathfinder that have been smoothed out in more recent versions of D&D, but some people prefer those rough edges because okay. it gives them more, you know, um, bits to work with. So Pathfinder is uh, maybe more strategic, but let's get down to your game. What's going on? Right. So my character is a, a Gripply alchemist. Gripplies are um, these little frog people. So I'm Aww. essentially like I'm a three foot tall, you know, frog person. Uh, I'm an alchemist, so I, I make various, like, extracts that I drink that give me various uh, abilities. My main weapon is throwing bombs. Um, mm. And I am quite proficient at climbing things. I will frequently walk on the walls mm-hmm. and, and the ceilings to, you know, get into a stealthy position. Right. Um, yeah, it's really fun. 
my character a while ago lost an eye in battle. We went on a quest to find me a replacement, so we found this uh, this artifact, a little green gem that works as an eye and gives me some some interesting abilities. Uh, to my surprise, uh, started talking to me and uh, giving me mm, evil suggestions. Um, <laughs> And, you know, my character started off as chaotic good. Yeah. I am I am now true evil. Ah. Um, and it's not really, uh, you know, by choice, but it's just the way the story has gone. Yeah. Um, I've, as I've unlocked more and more of the eye's abilities, it turns out to uh, belong to an evil god. I am now that god's scion and under its control. Uh, it's it's quite distressing, actually. So, does this mean your party doesn't want to get down with you, or what? Well, they've tolerated <laughs> me. They are a little bit concerned that I'm going to be the final boss. Oh, <laughs> so they're, they're thinking that the, the whoever is running yeah. the game <laughs> is trying to turn you into something that he's prepared. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I, I can't say that it's completely involuntary, because as I have embraced these abilities wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, so you could take this eye out. I mean, it's in there. Like, it's it's quite attached. I don't... <laughs> you would be painful. But again, like, I could investigate a way to do that, but I don't want to lose those abilities. How did your first eye come out? Um, you know, it was just, uh, like, it was a, a boss that we were fighting. I just, you know, got slashed in the eye. It wasn't it wasn't anything mm. too crazy, but I think once I lost the eye, it gave... Do you think this was railroaded a little bit, where the DM was like, okay, I'm going to specifically say... His eye gets targeted so that later on they could go get you this eye. I think that's possible. I know that once the eye came out, he started coming up with ideas for ideas, you know, uh, ideas <laughs> for what would happen, like what this eye would do to me and what the results would be in terms of whether he orchestrated me losing the eye. Yeah, it seems possible. So wait, so in Pathfinder, you don't just fight three monsters? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it ju- just depends on, you know, the campaign that you're that you're going through and the, who's running the game. You know, there's a lot of um, interesting uh, kind of side quests to what's actually in the book that you that you can engage in. So uh, there's a lot of branches to... Yeah, and but I mean, really, it, it entirely depends on the DM. There's a lot mm-hmm. of, like, role-playing and... Like, we are technically running out of a book. It's um, the Shackled City campaign. Um, but... A lot of the stuff we're doing is is homebrew and, and just made up, uh, at least from what I can tell. I mean, I haven't read the book because I don't want spoilers, but <laughs> okay. it, it seems like he's coming up a lot, with a lot of things on the fly. So it sounds like you really enjoy your Pathfinder. Oh, yeah, very what much. What would you yeah. give Pathfinder out of, <laughs> I don't know, 13 burning villages? Oh, geez. Uh, Pathfinder, I mean, probably... 12 out of 13 burning oh, villages. Wow. Holy uh, smokes. I mean, now, a lot of that is, like, sentimental value, right? Okay. Because I'm very attached to the character, and, you know, it's a social experience uh, playing with these people for, like, multiple years at this point. Um, it's not necessarily my favorite, like, ideal tabletop role-playing game. Okay, mm-hmm. before I, we move on, what's your what's your party size? So we usually... We have probably six people total. Six but, adventures? Yeah, but mm-hmm. we... We will run a game as long as we have four people available to play, and mm-hmm. then the DM will just, you know, story tell what the, the missing people are doing, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, so that we can get by. Neat. Yeah. Cool. Um, Jack, what have you been playing lately? I've had, uh, I got to try a new game the other day, and it's, I don't often do this, but I usually don't kickstart stuff just on a whim because it sounds cool. It's usually a reprint of something, or coming from uh, an established designer, like, for example, Founders of Gloomhaven, it's like, oh, it's Isaac. 
okay, I'm going to give this a shot. Yeah. It's not just like Joe Schmo from wherever. Like, this is a neat idea. So I back something called Masters of the Galaxy, and they build it as <clears throat> a... F- Cosmic Encounter 2. Yeah, that's definitely why I bought it. Uh, it's it's a, f- a streamlined 4X with... Uh, with basically bag building elements, and this is for dedicated Androids Dungeon fans or uh, the neophyte that happened to be looking for a better radio station got locked here for a second. <laughs> bag building in a game is similar to deck building, except you've usually got this little uh, chintzy little sack, and you're throwing cubes or little tokens into it, and you're trying to put different types of, or, or even like a, a roll for the galaxy. Yeah, you're trying to cup building, but yeah, a cup building thing. or dice building. But you're putting in different types of cubes in this case uh, that represent different parts of your galactic economy. Hmm. So you're trying to streamline certain aspects according to what race you are and what you're good at. Um, so you have this game, you have a game board, and you're tossing in cubes and you're drawing three cubes every turn, and you're allocating them to cards that are in front of you. And then you have these black cubes, which are considered to be like bureaucrats and gangsters. And that's how you get cubes off of cards if you don't want them in there anymore. Or mm-hmm. you're building roots. So anyway, I backed it on a whim because it looked cool and uh, it seemed interesting. And I was not super disappointed in it. It was bringing <laughs> hey, <laughs> endorsement. It was, it, it, I don't know, I think because I played it with Kayla and I, I think two players a little clunky. And there were definitely moments where I was thinking of things. And it's like this is this is weird. I don't know if I would have done that, but it's difficult to. It's not like I feel bad sometimes when you play a game for the first time and you go, oh, "I don't know about this" or "I don't know about that," because you, you'd like to give somebody the benefit of the doubt that they've done this one or two times more than you. And it's like this works this way. But anyway, there are a couple things that kind of bug me. And there are a couple points that I think if you don't know what you're doing, especially um, you can kind of slow the game down to a crawl just based on how you've allocated things because you need to build routes between planets but you do that Mm. by putting cubes down and if you've started cubes that you didn't think about because you can only get certain colored cubes based on the planets around you but you pick bad cubes and there aren't any of those around you you could just like you could see your turns just becoming squeezed is there a way to kind of reset there are and there aren't like you could you can put the the black cubes down and take That's them all the back and reset okay. it yourself but all i'm trying to get at is that there's there it's a neat game that i have never played anything exactly like before and i love 4x's and there is a, there's some strategy to this game and it can be a little mean at times too in ways that are um depending on your tolerance for take that Mm. Um, it, it can push it but overall I thought it was pretty interesting and I'd be more than happy to try it again and uh, it came with these <laughs> like card holders basically that you had to assemble and it's a neat idea because it's like oh good now I, they're not just sitting on the, the table I guess <laughs> so now they're, they're on somewhere else the issue is that they don't fit back in the box <laughs> so uh, <laughs> now I've got these two card holders just kind of sitting around hey, we were <laughs> looking for card holders well I was thinking about that I was thinking for Megasiv yeah. I'm going gosh can you? no there's only, it, it fits six big cards pardon me I guess you have new centerpieces now yeah that's it I really want to show this one off um, is this personal bags that you're loading up Personal bags, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and personal cards as well? No, so that's part of it too. So everyone has this kind of pool of sorts of cards to draw from. And um, you take two always, and you can either keep one of those or you can take the top card that is remaining on the deck as your option. So you've always you've got a bunch of stuff to choose from, and there's different techs and there's governments and there's leaders that are always about stealing things from other players most of the time. And the techs are all pretty cool, and you look at them and say, oh, I want that. There are some weaker ones that you were looking at and going, eh, I don't know if I do that. But 
You've also got this sort of other track that you're keeping track of, and this is the, my biggest criticism of the game, is that there's a lot of fiddliness, because each of your cards you put down, I'm trying to put a comparison out. Uh, let's say Twilight Imperium. Have you, did you, have you played it? No, I want to, though. Okay, we'll keep that in mind. Hmm. You know on TI Check how, another one off. how <laughs> on the tech cards they've got, especially the new edition, they have like the little, like this is a red tech, or this is a green yeah. tech, and you need X amount of those to move up. So Master of the Galaxy does something similar where all the cards you have, uh, for the most part, are going to have some indication of these five different tracks of, that represent like diplomacy, uh, your military strength, all these. So whenever you successfully finish one of these cards, you have to adjust this track. But as soon as somebody steals a cube from one of these cards, your tech has been sabotaged and you're supposed to adjust the track down. Unfortunately, you've got a bunch of different cards with a bunch of different techs, and you get different th- uh, pips on your uh, your track based on where you are on the map as well. And these are moving all the time, and people are always doing things to it. So it becomes a nightmare to c- keep track of all your different areas that you're on. And if you get the five in any of them, you win, so you want to pay attention to it. But at the mm. same time, the way it's stacked, like you're, you're kind of, oh, if your opponent's piece is on top of yours, you're going, okay, so I'll leave hers here. i got to go back this one. Oh, I just realized this card over here is giving me this, so I have to adjust this one. Mm. And it just turns into a bit much of like this sort of accounting or administrative detail that was annoying to me, but maybe with repeated... Um, plays it becomes more natural or if you have it in a more central location because I was doing Kalos as well and I was just getting irritated with it all. How long did this come take to come in? It took a long time. Hmm. There were delays. I think they had the old story of China screwed this up. So uh, this is going to take over kickstarted a board game? Um, not a board game but I have kickstarted a few things. Software. And, um, yeah. Well, well okay. So- software has been you know, mostly okay. I did get kind of burned by Mighty Number no. Nine. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I was a fool. another victim. Another Mighty. Mi- before we go any further, tell us about tell anyone who doesn't know about Mighty Number no. Nine. Okay, so Mighty Number no. Nine. Uh, basically, <laughs> the creator of the Mega Man franchise is uh, Keiji Inafune, um, and <laughs> you know he no longer worked for Capcom. Wanted to make a game. That's an interesting way of saying fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He had moved on from Capcom. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He wanted to make a game, you know, with those sensibilities and, you know, using the design ideas that he had um, developed over the years. Mm-hmm. And so he was coming up with a game that you could essentially call a Mega Man clone, but it, you know, yeah. had promised some unique mechanics, you know, some twists on that formula. Um, seems like a sure thing, right? Like, this, guy, this guy's got to know what he's it's doing, a lot. right? It's a lot. Um, the, the trailer, when they announced it, looked beautiful. This amazing hand-drawn animation with, uh-huh. um, you know, really cool effects. Um Game keeps getting delayed and delayed. Gameplay, um, you know, reveals later on like, oh, it's it's actually 3D and it's kind of muddy looking. Yeah. And uh, God, and then it comes out. And I'm like, okay, well, I own it. I'm gonna play it, and it's just extremely boring. Like that's and that's the thing. Like, it wasn't. That's the biggest sin. Boring. Yeah, that's exactly it. It wasn't as bad as some people said. I think like it was competent, uh-huh. but. It, there's so many more interesting things you could do with your time. Yeah. Um, so that so, was a bummer. So maybe his role in the Mega Magnum franchise wasn't the making it fun part. It may be just conceptual, right? Because I think <laughs> I still think the concept part of Mega num- uh, of Mighty Number no. Nine, excuse me, um, was quite good. I don't know. I can't. I wasn't there. There's, a, there's also a board game of Mighty Number no. Nine, I think, or some sort of uh, tabletop version of the game that oh, shipped after the fact, and I think people are making fun of it because the components didn't fit properly in the box so you'd you'd have it and then you'd be stuck with this weird misshapen um 
I don't know what to describe as box that mm. just didn't do what it was supposed to. It, it was a very strange circumstance. I have to look it up. But yeah. going back to Infune, it kind of gets into the whole sort of the auteur theory. Like, how much is this one man responsible mm. for this? And with games, I think it's very difficult to because mm-hmm. uh, there's so many different like uh, people that go towards making these things. And a lot of people go Hideo Kojima. Like, he is... He's one of these guys that's like, it's a Gajima game, you know, right? How yeah. much is he behind it? But he's got a couple other people around him, and there's always a studio mm-hmm. telling him, no, you can't do that, Hideo. No, you can't do that, Hideo. Or Shinji Mikami, Resident yeah. Evil. Like, how much did you do? Or what's his name from Bayonetta? Um, mm-hmm. Mr. Uh, Banned on Twitter or Blocked on Twitter. It's, um, and also, you know, they're calling the shots, but there's a huge team of people making it. Exactly. you yeah. apply well, a whole I, new team. George, George Lucas. Did yeah. he? What did he do? Well, he directed one of those movies. It's like <laughs> well, that, yeah, and that's exactly it. I think when when George Lucas George Lucas had too much control, that's when things really went off yeah. the rails. And for all we know, I mean, it could be that way with Mighty Number no. Nine. Maybe it was the opposite. Maybe the parts that that Inafune did were totally on point, and it was yeah. this new team that you know made some choices that uh, didn't necessarily turn out the way we'd and like. And let's, let's bring this around one more time back to board games. And I think that's the interesting part about board games because for the most part, you'll see one person, one designer, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe two, like well, uh, Kramer and Kiesling are collabs. famous. Famous collabs. Rainer Knizia is famous for, well, not famous, but he teams up with people all the time. Uh, but Scythe, Jamie Siegmeier, um, and the, Bruno Cathala and Ludo Moldblank, they team up all the time yeah. too. But it's usually just very tight, like... And I'm not trying to say the scale is the same necessarily, but if you think about it, there's a lot of stuff that goes into balancing and making this game. So, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Joel? Yeah, I think sometimes there's a, someone has a baby and sometimes it balances off, but I know what you're asking. What have you been playing recently? What have I been playing? Guess. I want you to take one guess. The Witcher again. <laughs> no. A card game. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't some nerdy video game show. Does it involve superheroes? Yes, I have been playing Warcraft and The Witcher. Um, <laughs> yes, it involves superheroes. <laughs> Is it play. Sentinels of the Multiverse? DC deck building. I'm getting my butt kicked by Sam one on one out in the out Long Point. Yeah, you Good times. Okay, so. Without going in, because we've talked about DC a lot. Yeah. What is what? What is getting your butt kicked? Is it is it something you can't stop from happening? Like it just the cards came up for her, they didn't come up for me, or is it that you misplayed this and she played this or she? Yeah, there's a couple of heroes that are situational. So there's there's general heroes where, say for example, you get something like Red Tornado. No, Red Tornado gets two points if you have four types in your discard. That's gonna happen, and eventually you just get two points every turn, right? Because you just have a variety of things in your discard. Um, and the bigger your deck gets, the bigger your discard becomes. Um, for her, she had something called Star Starfire. Or Star? What's the Starfire? Probably yeah, it's Starfire. Isn't that considered to be the worst superhero? Fire. Or the worst hero to start with, or is it the broken one? I don't know which she's, is which. She's one of the best two. Oh, okay. And so her thing is very situational in that she gets to draw a sixth card, which is huge. Yep. If there are no superpowers on the lineup, which is the five cards you can buy. Uh, so if there's a seven-cost card in the lineup at the beginning of the game, she's useless mm-hmm. for, like, 15 turns. Unless you can mill the deck, right? Well, somebody needs to get seven and buy that. And no one else is going to buy that because they know that as long as it's sitting there, she's stuck. So if there's a high-cost superpower early, which there are five or six of them, um, they get stuck. If there aren't, then they're starting the game with six cards where everyone else is sitting on five. 
So, Which is a ridiculous advantage if you... huge advantage. Yeah, <laughs> do the math on that. like a ton, <laughs> but it is a ton. So my thing was I'm Batgirl and I'm discarding a punch to draw a card. So I'm losing a card to get a card where she's just getting a card. Uh, that's not why she won. She got a really good card, a seven-cost card early, which kind of just snowballed. But there's been, there were two or three games we played, so just in general. And Cribbage is another thing. Cribbage is just one of those streaky games, you know. It's like, well, you know, you've been pegging really well, but it turns out the other person just happens to get 16 in every single hand, yeah. right? <laughs> so. I know this game has a lot of expansions. Do you think they've been, like, balanced well with, you know, the, the older versions of the game? Because it, you're, you're playing with all the cards combined, right? No, not necessarily. So there were four games. DC1 was basically the Justice League, everything you'll know. DC2 is Heroes Unite, which is basically like all the B-listers that they forgot about in the first game, (laughs) which was perfectly balanced. The game is like the game if you're going to play DC. Then there's DC3, which is Forever Evil, which just completely transformed the game, made it really, really hard to play and complicated. Uh, But props to them for like completely flipping the game on its head. Basically, you play as the villains, you're killing the superheroes, and um, you just you need to destroy basically your entire deck in order to build it up again. Then the fourth one, very light and fun, the Teen Titans, which of course is uh, uh, focuses on ongoing cards, but was kind of clumsy. But there is a another pack you can throw in Birds of Prey, which is all the. Hot Girls of DC, basically, is what... Well, was that a TV series, If there series was, like, too? a swimsuit edition DC, then they'd be in it. I think there may have been. I think they're also making a Birds of Prey movie, perhaps? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised DC's making any movies, to be honest. But. Well, yeah, I don't know. People keep going to them for some reason, but... Yeah. What was the last time I paid to see? Uh, Wonder Woman was good. I guess Wonder Woman. Did you see Justice League? We didn't pay to oh, see that one. A, yeah, it no, was a disaster. It. it was well, so bad. Yeah, it was, it was awful. Yeah. DC in media is... I mean, like, their shows, apparently, people like them. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, too, because they've, I've... N- Disclosure, I've never watched a single episode of any of them, but I just look at them and I just see... There's some superhero some shows on TV porn. that are just dull to me and they look cheesy. So, yeah. Arrow, I think, it was a very popular friend show. Friend who loves Arrow. And the Flash. I apologize to your friend. Super Arrow cool. is a terrible show, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's, Any it, CW show. Anyway, go it's, well, well, that's the thing, though, is that <laughs> actually I would disagree with that. I think um, The Flash and Boom. Supergirl are, are quite entertaining. Like, yeah. I, I do like those. So you're watching all They're three also of these. garbage. No, no, no. I, I gave up on Arrow. the worst yeah. shows. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I gave up on Arrow. Like, tried it again. Gave up on it again. Like, I, I gave it its you fair gave it shake. A shot, it, yeah. It's not good. But, um, but, yeah, The Flash and Supergirl are good, uh, though I'm quite behind. Uh, you know they're they're fun they're they're light they're yeah. i think embracing you know the the side of the comics that the movies are failing to do the, the movies are trying really hard to be as dark and gritty as possible and well, the it's dc not ones fun. yeah yeah exactly um yeah specifically dc uh, they they think that to sell a movie you gotta you gotta make it really you know well let's say the problem is batman took him on a date three times and they thought they were getting married <laughs> yeah and now exactly. they're just like well oh what else and i yeah i will say that that oh, third you know dark knight rises i did not think was particularly good either it's well, mostly the ending bothered me the um, ending Oh, yeah. just the uh, I mean, I w- leaving. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't. We won't go into full spoilers for this year's old movie, but but uh, <laughs> you don't want to ruin it for someone. No, but there was some. Uh, yes, there's some leaps they made there. But anyway, 
Yeah, I guess you answered my question <laughs> yeah. about the expansion. We're going to lose deck all building. of our listener by uh, <laughs> slamming the DC media. Yeah. But I mean, it's honestly, a, they're oddly they, passionate too. We'd love for them to succeed. Really, mm-hmm. I'd love to see well, some nobody, quality this DC. Is, oh, There's been great DC comics in the past, and even the cartoon. I'll still watch Justice. League. Oh yeah, the animated shows are great. Uh, yeah. Young Justice is coming back soon. I'm really excited for that. And also, the Blu-ray edition of the animated series of Batman is coming out shortly. Ooh. So Ooh. that's going to be. I don't. I'm curious if it'll look really good because it already looked fine in my mm-hmm. opinion. As long, you didn't have your VHS copy then. It's like that Bruce Tim art is is just amazing. So that's all you need. It's absolutely outstanding, and the writing is great too. Mm-hmm. The original, like the orchestral soundtrack to a cartoon. Are you yeah. kidding me? It's and Kevin Conroy is the ultimate Batman, in my opinion. Almost to a fault that you can't hear anything except for Kevin Conroy doing Batman, which sounds kind of weird when you like play some of the new... I didn't play Arkham uh, Knight. What was mm-hmm. that, the most recent one? But right. when, when you're playing the other ones, it's kind of like, ah, just the, the voice doesn't match the art style of the, the, the these games. It doesn't feel right. But how cool would it be if they took the gothic... Uh, Art Deco style of the animated series and made a cool game out of that for like a current gen thing. Well, one of the one of the really neat things in those games is that as DLC they would have all sorts of different costumes that you yeah. can select for Batman and and costumes. It, in at least one of them, there was a like Batman animated series costume. So yeah. you would in this uh, dark and gritty world that Arkham City or whatever is, you would have your animated series looking right. Batman running around. Buy some new skins, guys. Buy some skins. Yeah. Well, I guess these were unlockable. Or was it <laughs> yeah, bought? I mean, I don't know. I, you know. Oh, geez. <laughs> I, I didn't pay for any. I think, uh, okay. you know, they they were either free or they came with, like, pre-orders and that kind of thing. Oh, that's I, the second worst. Eh? Yeah, no, no, and I did not pre-order the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, will, I will not sully my name. Sully? <laughs> what was the last time I pre-ordered something? Pre-order is, you know, like, it's, what's worse? It's Kickstarter or pre-order? Pre-ordering. <laughs> It's tough because I think Kickstarter is riskier, um, whereas pre-order, is, you know, but at least with the Kickstarter, you're, you're actually supporting a, the creator. A bad system, yeah. yeah, pre-order, you're rewarding, you know, a big corporate entity, um, but it's also lower risk. Kickstarter, you know, somebody actually needs that money to make the game. Ideally, right? Know, it's, yeah. it's when Sometimes. you get guys like, come on, game, going back to board games again. Companies like Come On, for example, or God forbid, even Stone Mayor, putting out Kickstarters of games. It's like, mm. yeah, a lot of people just use Kickstarter as a pre-order system. Money. Yeah, that's it. It's a pre-order, yeah. and it's if you think about it, it's brilliant from a business standpoint because why? Why am I risking my own money on mm-hmm. something when you are pre-ordering something that there's there's very what's the proof? A rule book, maybe some cool concept art, depending on how far along the game yeah. is. So. Yeah. Don't I've, spend your own money. That's the real I've way. I've backed enough Kickstarters that didn't end up coming out yeah. and that I will never see that money again that I, I'm pretty much done. Suckers. I'm still waiting on some stuff, too. And on that note, that sad, sad <laughs> note, we're going to take a musical break. Boo Stay tuned. DC. <laughs> Rosemary. Heaven restores you in life Coming with me Through the aging, the fearing, the strife It's the smiling on the package It's the faces in the sand It's the thought that moves you upward Embracing me with two hands Right, we'll take you places Yeah, maybe to the beach When your friends, they do come crying Tell them now your pleasure set upon slow Hey, who's 
Back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Evil by Interpol. Uh, I recognize the song after you played it, or after uh, Seth recommended it. It's from uh, second album, Antics, which is interesting. I, I was at school with a guy who, he was a huge Interpol fan, and I don't blame him, because he was going off of the, uh, coasting off the love for Turn On The Bright Lights, which is an outstanding album to this day. You throw that sucker on, and you're just you just get taken to another world where the music was just every track, boom, 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 great, great, great. And I love the last track on that, Leaf Erickson, just something so melancholy about it, and just ooh, fantastic. But then for the second album, I think it was Antics. I think he bought it, and he just like I didn't hear him playing it ever. <laughs> and I said, Hey, Don, how's the uh, how's how's the second album? He said, it's crap. Like, Jesus, that's, so, that's so, harsh. It sounds a bit like the National turned up by two notches. It's it's popular than the National. The National has this very sort of um, I'm singing a sound like in this tempo. <laughs> and this then if you turned it down maybe half a notch, it'd be the Smiths. <laughs> half a notch. <laughs> well, I, I have to say, I can't speak to the rest of the album. I'm I'm not really familiar with most of Interpol's work. It, just this song. Um, what grabbed you about this song? Why did you request it today? Uh, well, it uh, I rediscovered it the other day, actually, uh, at when Joel asked me to be on the show, and I was listening to this as I was thinking about you know oh. what, what I've been playing lately and what topics to bring. I did my homework. I came prepared. I know that's outstanding. It's more than most of us do. Uh, so. Yeah. So it, uh, you homework. know, I figured it was an appropriate song. I was I was in the mood for uh, for sharing that with the world. Well, thank you. And there's it just reminds me there's a great grinder man song called Evil as well and I was just trying to think what is it is it inspired by it? Mm-hmm. No, they're completely different. But is there a mashup there? Yeah, possibly. That'd be interesting. So, Seth and Joel, you guys had a very interesting opportunity here uh, the other night that I regret I was not able to participate in, but would you like to talk a little bit about the game that you were so fortunate enough to try out? We became enlightened. We were uh, taken to the East. Uh, Mahjong is the game. Classic game. Surprisingly, supposedly only five centuries old, which compared to, you know, only Chinese cultural yeah. um, history is pretty short. Um, the game is really cool in that it's got all these little uh, cultural hiccups to it. So the game is basically just set collection, right, Seth? Yeah. It's basically like, okay, I've got three of these, three of these, three of these, and two of these, I win. That's essentially Yeah, the I mean, game. that's basically it. But, you know, you start with a random assortment, and so you have to... You're picking up a piece and then discarding a different one and trying to trying to build those sets. Exactly. It takes these pieces, discards these pieces. That's yeah. the entire game. Um, so, basically, you've got uh, 
you can run for streaks or you can run for sets. I mean, have you ever played Rummy? Oh yeah, I love Rummy. Yeah, so it's basically Rummy. Um, I think there's a. We discovered that there was another game, some Eastern European version of Rummy, um, that's basically the same. So I, f- I feel like every culture has a mahjong mm-hmm. in it. It's interesting. <laughs> when you put it like that, it's almost like this. You're going back to this whole arc theory. It's like, how, why does every culture have a flood story? Why does every culture yeah. have one of these things? Like, why does everyone have a mahjong variant yeah. of some sort? Our savior. Why Mahjong's is, our savior. Why does every culture like making sets of things? <laughs> it just feels good, man. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what the it is. Egyptian, extremely satisfying. Egyptian mahjong. Well, it was obviously it was. Uh, what's the one with the pyramid that we play? The deck builder. The deck builder with the pyramid. Oh, um, Valley of the Kings. Valley of the Kings. Back in ancient Egypt, they played Valley of the Kings. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's an ancient game. Yeah. So, so Majong is a set collector. So you're going to have uh, numbers from 1 to 10. And then you're going to have um, Man, which... What does Man seem like to you, Jack? Man? Yeah. If uh, you're thinking of Korean. Uh... Ten. The game is not ten thousand. Yeah. Like, yeah. To be honest, 10, I never remembered what <laughs> somebody tried to teach me. Yeah, Man one was like a ten thousand. Uh, yeah, yeah. Man one ten thousand. Yeah, ten thousand one. So anyway, so you can you can get one to ten man, which is a I don't know some multiplication of ten. <laughs> maybe it's a hundred. Maybe that. it's a thousand. <laughs> Close enough. Our teacher Brittany uh thought it was a thousand okay okay so let's just say it's one to ten thousand so maybe that's the value you can get one to ten sticks yep or was it one to nine anyway oh no you're right i'm sorry i think these are all one to nine yeah one to nine so you can collect sticks you can either collect one to nine or you can collect six three times or four times uh if you're wondering what's the probability of you getting a single tile they're all four so there's four of everything. So then there's also all these additional items you can collect, uh, kind of like the red dragon symbol. You can collect what she calls a cabbage, which because it's a green squiggle, <laughs> she doesn't know what it means. She always <laughs> called it a cabbage. There's a there's like a looks like a picture frame. Her family always just called it the TV. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and, cute. Uh, <laughs> basically, uh, those you're gonna have to collect a set of because there's no there's no run there, so it's slightly weaker in probabilities mm-hmm. but that's all mitigated by pong pong tell us about pong Seth. <laughs> pong is very satisfying so yeah i mean throughout <laughs> this game you're you're like joel said you're trying to get like three of a particular tile or you're trying to get you know three four five whatever that run is of a particular set if you know the, the runs are um are a little easier to do because you can do one, two, three, you can do three, four, five, etc. But to get three threes uh, is a little trickier. So if a tile is placed down, um, somebody discards by a anybody. tile. Exactly, by anybody, not necessarily the person before you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it allows you to complete a set. Um, you can say, pong, and grab it. And So there's know, this weird dexterity element to it as well? Or? Sort of, because if the next person goes before you pung it... You've missed your chance. Yeah. You don't get to pung it. So yeah. the next person might want to pick up real quick. But you, if you say pung before they pick something up, mm-hmm. have the opportunity to not only pick up the tile and show that you've completed the set, otherwise everything else is is hidden. Um, the hilarious thing about it is then you, people just move on clockwise. So the who, no matter whose turn it was next, they're screwed. <laughs> 
It right. Just so it skips over your people. turn, and then you move on. So let's say, okay, so we're sitting. Uh, Jack's giving us a face. Yeah. Okay, so going clockwise. <laughs> Sounds great, boys. <laughs> going clockwise, we're sitting Joel, Seth, Jack, yeah. right? Let's say that. Well, uh, it's always four players, so we'll, we'll put an invisible person. Sure, there's an invisible person. Hello, phone. There. Phone. But, Let's say Joel takes his turn. He discards a tile. Ooh, I really need that. I can make a set with it. Um, But but before I have a chance to take my turn, you also want that for a set. You Uh see it. You yell at Pong. You grab it. Well, now my turn's over. Yeah, it's it's your fault for not going quickly enough. And so the worst feeling in the world is when (laughs) you want that tile, but the person to Joel's right... uh, is, is says Pong. And so now, you know, every, he just gets to go again and everybody's missed their and turn. Everybody gets an extra turn except for you. Yeah. And you didn't get the time. So, sorry. Bam, I, you suck. I feel like I missed something. So you say Pong, you get to take it, but you have to prove that you... Yeah, you have to show that you've made it. Yeah, so everything yeah. is hidden. Yeah. But if you Pong something, you take it, you add it to the other two, and you throw it down flat. So and now so we only... We, we're trying to build sets of three. Yeah. And you... So... But all I need... Is that one set? Yeah. So yeah. So you you do have to discard okay. after you claim it because otherwise you'd have too many. But then you can almost like end up in this weird situation where you just have discards that are punk 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 and people like putting stuff down. It's and not that yeah. common, I don't think. I mean, the the thing to keep in mind is that every turn you're picking up a face down tile mm-hmm. and then you're deciding what to discard, but. You can forego picking up the face down tile if the tile play that was discarded face up right before your turn is something that you can use to make a set. Mm-hmm. Then you can take that instead. Um, however, if you're taking a face up tile, you have to show everybody yeah. uh, the set that you've made. Oh, and we should mention there is a super pong. Oh, good. <laughs> so if you have already made that set, yeah. and I told you, remember, there's four of everything. Yeah, yeah. So you've made the set, and you've got three, and you're just waiting to win the game so yeah. that you can reveal it, and somebody throws down that fourth one, you can Kong it! Kong. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of AK punging, Super you're Konging, yeah. and then you Kong, and then you take it, and then you reveal all four, and you're like, ha, suckers! It's really, you have to say it out loud. Um, yeah. That's, that's the fun and, part. Sorry, do you win when you get four? No, I mean that's just no. That's just moving towards your sets. And the funny thing about it is, there's no there's no scoring at all for anybody except for the winner. So, so you don't lose points, you don't gain points. It's just you 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 won, you get your points. Basically, in Rummy, yeah, you just go out, and the person that goes out wins. The, like in Rummy, I think it's like whatever you have in your hand counts against your points. Yeah, forget about all that. It's just winner takes all. And the way it works is, if the person takes it randomly from the walls which is like the which is the, the setup is probably the best part we haven't even got to that <laughs> yeah um takes it randomly from the walls and wins everybody has to pay them whatever the ante is oh okay so it's gambling mostly this is the, the yeah. popularity mm-hmm. no 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 Every, everybody has to pay them double Right, if they've... Yeah. If they've uh, Everybody has to pay the ante anyway. Picked it yeah. up from the wall instead of face up, yeah. But if you discard the tile and they take it and win, only you have to pay <laughs> yeah, It's your fault. <laughs> yeah. And the funnest thing is that if you discard a tile that would make anybody win, there's something they can say, which no... We haven't figured out what it is yet. I came up with my version. He thinks it's Mahjong, but it's not Mahjong. You don't yeah. say Mahjong. No, apparently, That's yes. the one thing we know it isn't. I don't know. I'm, I'm inclined to believe Seth here. When the situation arose and there was a piece placed that would make me win the game. You say the name yeah. of the game, I just like Jumanji. Mahjong. Exactly. Jumanji. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, or Uno or whatever, right? right. It, it was it's instinctual. I had to yell Mahjong. Yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, uh, so like, yeah, so, so if Seth, Seth discards and it's my turn next, but you could take that tile and win the game, you can just grab it and say, thanks, I win. Yeah. And sorry, sorry for the win the game. I've got. I've now made three sets. So you have three sets of three and a final pair of two, mm-hmm. uh, which it's is called, called the eye. Yeah, your eye. And uh, yeah, you have to. And the eye is just like any pair of anything. Any two things, mm-hmm. as long as they're the, they're a set. Okay. Yeah. So just pure set collection. Yeah. Moving around the line, and yeah. if I give something bad to someone else, then I'm on the hook. Yeah, and you can take anything you want. If exactly. It's now, after Seth and Robin left, I got a, a long explanation, maybe thirty minutes, on how her family has uh, accused people of cheating. Her uncle was in a mahjong club, which was heavily into gambling. They would do like a five dollar chicken, so you do like the mm. ante for losing. You had to pay the winner five dollars. Everybody pays the winner five dollars every round. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if you if you have to pay double, you pay them ten dollars. Yeah, and then mahjong is played over sixteen rounds, Jack. Oh man, that's a lo- that's a lot of mahjong. <laughs> and so that's when the scoring comes into place for the winner. Like depending, you know, they have to have the three sets of three and the yeah. and the pair of two. But depending on the specific composition of that. And uh, you're assigned like a cardinal direction at the beginning of the round, and depending on what you have East, in relation to like bridge, South, yeah. West, yeah. exactly. So based on those things, you'll get a different number of points for that particular win. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is kind of funny because there's the dealer is always east, but the dealer is always also uh, whatever direction they currently are based off of the rotating <laughs> uh, chip, and but, then everybody else gets to be what the dealer is not east as well as what they are in relation to the dealer I, I still getting. i still don't understand this part yeah, also so we're getting into me. the we're getting into the weeds here yeah. but there's some fun stuff it uh, seems that north and south are reversed as well so that's a little confusing. Here's, here's a list of niceties that i love absolutely love so there's a red dragon symbol which yeah. i call the red dragon symbol because it's on the red dragon bearings that you could buy for skateboards and maybe that's what it is or maybe it's something else but it looks like uh a line with a square around it and so it looks like a sword, basically. Okay. And if you point the end of the sword at someone, that's wishing them bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it, it's, it's so super serious. So if you serious, discard yeah. it in a certain way, you need to point it off in like a diagonal direction. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise you're fire. cursing uh, someone. That's, yeah, yeah, that's exactly so what So every it time is. I discard it, I would point it at Brittany, and then she would turn it at me, and then I would turn it at Seth. <laughs> yeah. Here's another one. Um, if you mess up, in taking your tiles. I like this one. So there's a very complicated method, and I'll explain it real quickly. So basically, first we build walls. So everybody works together yeah. to take 18 tile stack too high. So we're talking, um, you know, <laughs> 36 <laughs> tiles. Hold, hold on, let me get calculator. <laughs> Times four, right? Because everybody's doing it. Yeah. And then you have to do this weird thing where you take your pinkies like this, and you, know, you can't see it, but basically you squeeze on either side of this long row of tiles. And then you rotate it into the middle so it's pointing and everybody goes in a different direction so that it, you get this kind of weird... It's like a windmill. Um, windmill For people listening, it's kind of like you're doing the hang loose yeah. kind of gesture as if you're surfing, but imagine you're holding a bunch of blocks. So my walls broke every time because yeah. I'm terrible at it. But it was tons of fun. It was the most fun because you're basically you're making these cool too high walls and then you're moving them in. And then... Um, you roll some dice. You roll three dice? Yeah, I believe so. 
you roll three dice, and that's your number. And I think the way she explained it to me is this all designed to mitigate cheating. Because the shuffling and the shuffling people could be secretly shuffling hey. things that they want and knowing where they are. And so the, they make it like insanely complicated the way you take your tiles at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've set up. You've got it. You've got it pictured in your head. We've got this windmill of 36 tiles all rotating. Now you roll the dice. Say it's 14. You go, okay, there's a row in front of me. So I go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. You go all the way around until, okay, 14 is directly to the right of me. You take the 14 to the right of you, and then you count 14 rows in. Oh, my God. You remove the remainder. No, you remove those 14. From the remainder, you take four. Then everybody else takes four until you all have 12 tiles. And then for the final thing, because who knows why, you take the next tile, and then you take the next top tile two over, and then the next person takes the next tile and the next tile and the next tile. So whoever is the dealer starts with an extra tile, doesn't draw on their turn, and discards immediately... But now you're ready to start. Yeah, when we uh, <laughs> and when if we that up, <laughs> the, the best thing about it is if anybody messes that up, they're not allowed to win, and they have to pay double, and they're forced to play out the rest of the round. <laughs> I've always wondered about them being forced to play out the rest. There's, there's, there's like a wall opens up, well, and out they, comes the. Uh, I mean, if they leave, then you can't play the round, right? So there's, there's still yeah, they, rounds Screw to go, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, when we got to that thirteenth tile, I, I just picked up whatever tile Brittany told me to pick up because I had no yeah, idea what was going was, on. She was doing, she was a nice coach. Uh, she also, we also played face up through most of the game. Wait, why am I playing that music? It's 50. Hey, we got some time. False we alarm. just wanted to listen to some more tunes. Yeah, that's weird. I looked at that the wrong way. But Jax is like, I'm sick of hearing about Magic. Let's go. <laughs> that's not true at all. I actually find it fascinating. The It just sounds so... And it, it's maybe it's just as bad as, or just akin to me playing talking about. Okay, so you set this up, and uh, so you need to select your pyramid first, and you need to have your tomb, and you're going to have these cards in your hand. This one does this, this one does that, and you have to do this exactly. But it, none of these rules say you lose the game right away if you mm. screw up. And I guess that's like a very cutthroat. <laughs> I mean, granted, way of we doing did not actually play that way. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. But it's nobody's gambling on some these games that I'm playing. Like, yeah. Well, Brittany's family plays with five cent chickens chicken is just something like like chicken hand means you had a bad hand basically to start but more or less what it means is anti for what you want to know but props to Brittany for teaching us this game really really good teacher and she really brought her family into it and talking about her aunt and how she always yells at her dad for making oh yeah no like the the cultural context (laughs) was was really interesting like i oh one of my favorite parts is that uh, some people will try to steal the luck from the previous round's winner oh, yeah. uh, by by like while they're going to pick up their pieces or doing their shuffling, they'll be like, "Oh, I'm gonna you know, rub, <laughs> rub, try to touch their hand." Yeah, rub rub their hands <laughs> on the person luck. and like steal the luck from them. Doing? Yeah, and so me. we we got into it, and I, you know people were stealing my luck after I won, and then I tried to steal it back, and yeah, it was it was super try fun to touch someone's hand. You get their luck, man. <laughs> Obviously, you know it's like this the works. exact opposite. So bridge is the most uptight waspy game on. <laughs> yeah. Earth, where if you looked at something the wrong way, <laughs> that'd be the end of the world. Whereas in Mahjong, I like that people are hopefully groping each other, trying to grab their. Uh, yeah. their well, it really got me mojo. thinking about house rules and how people house rule their home games, especially Monopoly. Like infamous, up, infamous. Right? I think you have to with Monopoly, otherwise it's unbearable, right? No, oh. 
That's the, ah. the biggest flaw in the oh, world. Oh, is it? Is it the opposite? It's the reason why everyone hates Monopoly beyond the fact that it's rolled to move and it's it's too long. Is that people house ruled the hell out of it? So you end up with these games going forever. And free parking is the number one uh, pointless extender of Monopoly because it's it's not a good game, but it's better than you remember it. And nobody ever played auctions growing up because that was too complicated for kids. But as soon as you play without with auctions and the tighter economy, the game actually becomes... When you play with the real rules. When you play with the real rules, which sounds ridiculous, but yeah. Monopoly is not as bad as you remember. It's not good, mm-hmm. but it's not as bad. Did you know that Monopoly was like one of the first modern board games and it was made in like the 10s or 20s? And it was... It's basically the same functionality, but it was really dry. And then Milton Bradley bought them out in '56 and just well, know turned it, 50s, it into yeah. a completely different thing. But yeah, it is wild. That, that's my understanding is that it started off as basically an indictment of capitalism. It was called the Landlords Game. Landlords, to, yeah, yeah. And he's meant to show you like this is what happens when. It, oh no, it's tons of fun. I want more money. I want to have it all. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, crush it you. Completely backfired. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like food chain magnet. Everyone's like, oh man, I should start. A, <laughs> I should just start a food. Well, game. I'd like a monopoly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. but let's. Let's talk about other. So China, you could say game of China, Majo. Yeah, I, sure. Maybe China table Hong tennis. Kong, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of pushing. I, but I couldn't speak to it. Um, but yeah, culturally speaking, we'll call it. We'll say mahjong. Are there any other games? Like when I was in Korea, I don't know. Was there? Did they have a unique well, Korean game that you'd say beyond all of Dota? Asia aside, <laughs> like I'd say China most of all, but all of Asia played Go. Yeah, like nuts. Go is crazy. Yeah. I know that it's popular in Japan, but I don't know if that's where it's most popular. I, I'm mostly basing on that on the fact that there's a very popular manga and anime about Go, uh, um, which is an amazing nerd. series. Yeah. Hikaru no Go. <laughs> it's, it's excellent. It's got even the title. Holy yeah. smokes. Yeah, yeah, it's Hikaru's Go, basically, is what it translates to. Yeah. And, uh, there is a, uh, in, I don't know if you played Persona 5, but one of the characters in that is a, a Go expert, I believe. Ooh, no, I, I see. I love Persona 4. I've not played Persona 5 yet, but that does actually pique my interest. Oh, there you go. It's way in the end of the game, so mm. it's not even a big deal. But, uh, so we have Go. Uh, North America, what would you say? Like, I guarantee if you put a gun to somebody's head in... Well, check all these card games, you know. <laughs> think of true. any card game. Uh, cribbage, uh, Rummy... Um, Maybe even craps. I don't know. Craps. Maybe American game. That's just I guess just dice tracking. But to me, craps goes back. Like it's probably the Romans were doing that one. Throwing uh, dice. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one. I think that they say that's the oldest game. Yeah, with just like using animal bones or something for. Yeah, or like these sticks. Sticks. Right. Sided sticks. But let's go like in Canada. What I would say, if you had to say, and I've already got an answer in my head, but what's Canada's game? That's not like hockey by or a board something. game, board game or card game or something like. If you, what are the odds that if you go into somebody's house because there are Thank two good answers? Oh, tabletop shuffleboard. Tabletop. No, I'm joking. Yeah. No, no, you're not. Curling. Uh, Crokinole is. Oh was, yeah, that's an amazing game. And it's actually, I think we've talked about this before, but it's, if you look at the board game geek top games of all time, Crokinole is up there. It's, hey. it's very high up there, and I get steamrolled every time. Kale's mm. parents are bloody vipers when it comes to that game. And I played that game for the first time during my bachelor track. party, and it was very fun. <laughs> Crocodile and bachelor party are very uh, interesting. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> what is this you doing John strategy for a bachelor <laughs> party? I'm just going to hang out and play a board game. Yeah, no, we, we did spend some time at the boardroom. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. you were... <laughs> uh, but, okay, Difficult so Crocodile, what's the second one you think? What What's the card game everyone in Canada plays, or at least is unique to Canada? 
unique. It's that pop. one where you start at nine, right? You take everything out below nine. Euchre. What is that? Euchre. Oh, Man. euchre. Yeah. People get so mad at me when because I don't know how to play. <laughs> it's dirt simple. It's just the strategy kind of comes forth. But I'd say euchre and crokinole are the Canadian ones. I don't know if euchre is uniquely Canadian, but crokinole definitely is. But for the U.S., like take your pick, like all these different card games and, bo- and board games, but probably like Monopoly or poker. Poker. Well, is poker a U.S. thing? I don't know about the history of any of these games. I'm just speculating. Don't know. But, we uh, definitely can't, you know, stake claims to chess. I know that much. No, and, and I can. How old is chess? <laughs> like, when does where, where did chess originate? That's a good question. Persia in uh, 1300s, I think. Huh. Well, there you go. That was a good answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I know the Kings Vikings game. were playing it too. Kings so. played it against each other to. You know, settle settle disputes back in the day. Really? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. That sounds like it could be completely made up, but I'll, I'll choose to believe you. <laughs> I say it with enough authority that everyone will believe me. That's it's a fact. <laughs> Don't fact check me. You convinced me. So, Seth, would you endorse Mahjong? Oh yeah, absolutely. It was super fun. I mean, it, it's quite luck based. I have to admit, right? But there is certainly um, quite a bit of strategy in terms of okay, well, I. I have to discard a piece. All of these are potentially useful. What do I? What am I more likely to get? What's right. on the table already? Um, Which is pure rummy stuff because you got this whole yeah. deck of cards. What do I want to give up? What you are know, the odds of you could getting potentially it? be doing card Joel counting? Wants, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's you know, there's there's definitely strategy involved, um, and mostly it was just super fun to you know have a match come up and you know, especially when you make matches in secret because you've picked up the face down tiles and then you just pick up the one tile at the end of the game and you haven't shown anything until then you're like ha i win yeah so the way you win is you take all your standing up tiles and you just lay them flat yeah and it goes (laughs) so she that was my other question come in because with from what i've heard mahjong is not mahjong unless you've got the thick the the term is bakalite uh, material and it's clacky mm-hmm. and you need to be and you've got to be playing on a surface where clack oh, nice. the sound is one of the best parts yeah, I think yeah. yeah you saw Crazy Rich Asians right where they we were they worked the in theater the with the story you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> accidentally saw Jack walking out of the theater <laughs> oh harder and they had they, I guess they worked it into the story but when I explained what happened to to Brittany how one person revealed their tiles and then another person revealed hers uh-huh. it didn't make any sense maybe so it's it was just hers there's no way she could have discarded and one because you don't discard when you win you complete your set and you you use it as part of your set oh okay so there's no discarding and then oh actually i won i guess they were playing with house rules yeah maybe it was some weird sort of singapore singapore strategy yeah. singapore sling that's what they call it i, I will say one of the most interesting things i learned about mahjong is that the version that maybe obviously not in this movie uh but in a lot of popular culture movies and tv you see the tiles laid in this like pyramid shape or mm-hmm. you know some sort of intricate you know design on the table that's not mahjong that's a like, puzzle i guess that's like a puzzle the using the tiles but that is they are not playing that game yeah, yeah exactly so the 